Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 34 for the 21st of February, 2007. Hi everyone, it's On The Couch episode number 34 with me James Field and I'm Ian Harris. And today, as ever, we'll be talking to you about what's new and hot in the world of entertainment technology, focusing on our standard format, which is what, Ian? We have UK news, international news, covering the rest of the world, content delivery, IPTV, mobile games, and other stuff. Wild and crazy other things. Stuff. We've got a special giveaway this week, which we'll have to cook up a question as we go along, because this is our first solar-powered podcast. Indeed. <laughs> You'd have thought. More of that later. Um, so, first we've got a bit of uh, news from the UK, as mm-hmm. ever. Um, what's all this stuff about BBC and Freeview and stuff like that? So well, what the BBC is doing is uh, looking to trial a video-on-demand service over Freeview. Freeview being the digital terrestrial service here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're looking to carousel about 50 hours of programming onto a, uh, a set-top box, onto a okay, onto a segment of a hard drive. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So that they can, uh, so that customers can access it directly without having to record it on demand and for free. Mm. Brilliant. And there's no DRM here at all, I guess. Which is uh, uh, in the case of the BBC, no. But if they convince other players to play along, I'd, well, there must be some sort of uh, DRM because they only uh, for the iPlayer at least they only want it to last for a week. Right, so and that's kind of Windows based. So they might have to work something out with the the set top box vendor. Mm. Um, so they're working with a set-top manufacturer. Mm, interesting. Um, I know, I mean, I haven't got a Freeview PVR, but I know people who have, and some of them um, seem to work pretty well. People are very happy with them. But that, uh, obviously, they don't have much metadata to go on because the Freeview metadata is mm. a bit patchy. But Interesting. Um, also, again, sort of BBC-related, I guess it's important to say, for those of you who don't know, the BBC is the UK's national broadcaster, mm-hmm. currently funded by the, the licence fee. Everyone in the UK, I think we've talked about this before, pays approximately... $250 a year for the privilege of owning a television set uh, and that, uh, that and it's one of the few cases actually in the the revenue collection from the UK where the a corporation actually gets that money normally in the UK tax system it just goes it's into a large pot <laughs> yes. um, but this actually apparently goes direct to the BBC who uses it to run their services which are principally uh, television services, they also have radio, the BBC World Service is a good example and they also have an internet presence uh, and they they just had their charter renewed at the beginning of this year to go for another six years um, so they're looking at to really shake things up and move along six years isn't a long time to go from a publicly funded to a fully commercial venture so we'll, we'll see what happens but the news we had here was that BBC Radio 2 which is kind of the I don't know middle age kind of it's not middle age it's Radio 4 is the documentary kind of thing Radio 2 is right. the more music which was popular well, radio, radio One. You, what do you listen to? Of, you know, it's the hip hop happening, dance. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, chart numbers. Latest stuff. Yeah. Radio Two, as I understand, is kind of like when you don't want the latest stuff, but you're still not, you know, in your seventies yet, and you're not hits <laughs> of the nineteen thirties or anything like that. It's kind exactly. of in between. It's more kind of traditional disc jockey stuff, isn't thumpy puppy yeah. dancing? I, mean, I, must kind of I listen stuff. to it occasionally. Right. myself but so that's a bit of an admission to make but not mm-hmm. too much anyway they've employed um this I guy do, i do love how in you know in the bbc they 
they're creative enough to name their channels one, two, three, and well, four. Hey, like, let's get on to Australia where they have seven, <laughs> eight, and nine. At least we named them after sort of numbers that are logical rather than geeky VHF channels well, on the television. Which is the channel? BBC oh, one. It's terrible. Um, okay, anyway. So BBC Two. What's happening at BBC Two? Uh, which BBC Two, they've hired a guy from Napster, um, which is basically as their head of music, which is quite... You know, <laughs> right, so they're trying to cut their... Uh, well, they've <laughs> obviously got to get into digital delivery, uh-huh. um, but it must be said that he, he only worked for Napster for a couple of years, and prior to right. that, he'd actually been working with um, the BBC right. uh, in some other ventures and, and some other services. So basically, it's kind of showing that they need to be aware of digital delivery. Mm. They have a lot of mm. these kind of listen-again services on the BBC where you can listen... Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I remember when I was uh, in Hong Kong a while back trying to listen to some stuff on the BBC and some you could, some you couldn't. Mm-hmm. But generally they do try and block it out and uh, try and stop people watching if they're not allowed to. So, interesting. Public broadcasters getting into the digital scene. Indeed, it's becoming more and more important. Indeed. In fact, I think one of the most popular things on BBC Four is actually the podcast that you get from BBC Four because obviously they're mm. all documentary or um, vocal as opposed to video, mm. and uh, some of the more popular th- podcasts in the world are actually from BBC, BBC Radio 4. Yeah. Well, certainly if you look at iTunes UK, I think BBC One is the, the Chris, the, Moyles, the Chris Moyles show, yes. which I've listened to once in a while, but it's a bit um, it's heavily promoted. A lot of it comes down to promotion. If you don't promote the podcast, you don't get there, so it's True. very much True. put up. And uh, Interesting. Interesting. Okay, um, international news. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the new news that came out... Uh, uh, pretty much, I guess, yesterday or today, um, is that the satellite, again, radio, again, maybe this was hmm. a radio episode, I don't radio know. Episode, yeah. um, but uh, XM and Sirius, who are two satellite radio providers in the US, where they offer subscription satellite radio, which mm-hmm. I believe is it's either commercial free or it's, there's some talk radio. Mm-hmm. And they've merged, basically, or decided to merge. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, they're incompatible. XM and Sirius from a technology wise, perspective right, okay. um, but obviously they'll very quickly try and work on a simulcrypt or something trying to get things working mm. together um, so this is this is very interesting because um, I've actually wondered how two different satellite radio providers could survive in the US mm. I mean there is a lot of people in the US but still it's a big country to cover with multiple satellites to get uh, get enough coverage so that you can run around in a car yeah. And listen to radio. So well, I mean, it's built into most cars now, I think, in the US. Your new build really? cars, you well, get a, like okay. an XM or Sirius built in. Okay. Um, and I think the big thing, there's, they had this, they got Howard Stern, the shock jock on, for the, like a five, half a billion dollar contract Sirius made with him Christ, to get him on as a... That is amazing. Uh, maybe as a kind of marketing or, but who knows it's there, but neither of them apparently have turned a profit yet. So um, mm. it's interesting to see how that goes, but it's consolidation, I guess it's like um, digital satellite television yeah. consolidation inevitably happens a lot of it's um, happening a lot I'd be of surprised places. if there's you know if they're allowed to do it um, if there's you know I because think the it case could they're be trying a to make is that they're not competing with each other so much as competing with iPods and competing with commercial radio and competing yeah. with all these other services but there is speculation that the regulator might say well sorry yeah. you're creating a monopoly for satellite radio mm. so they're not quite sure but um, I think this is probably going to be good for consumers if uh, the cost base yeah. of the company goes down I mean inst- mm. you've got to imagine for the two companies they share 14 million subscribers um, and they've got to have the same infrastructure they've got to have the same sort of satellites kicking around to yeah. broadcast so I believe be they're geostationary the satellites as well um it's a bit like GPS, but GPS is moving satellites. Uh, so GPS isn't geostationary. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. I mean, uh, there hasn't been much of a rollout around the world. I know they've got 
mm. orbital slots, I think, for some of the satellites to, to replicate this elsewhere. Mm. But I'm not sure. I mean, essentially, listening inside, I think, is difficult unless you're next to a window. Um, really? Because you have to have field of you have to see the satellite. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So not everywhere else. Maybe in Australia it might work, where you've got long road distances and True. I guess nothing else to listen to. But again, the problem in Australia is that you've got vast distances and not very many people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it will only kind of work in the US. But you know, interesting to see, a bit of uh, breaking mm. news, I suppose, from that. Mm, and interesting to hear about uh, satellite radio services as well. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, middleware. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean by middleware? Middleware is this stuff in set-top boxes that enables set-top boxes from different manufacturers to run mm. the same applications. So okay. it's so the set-top box can basically run the same guide as a good example of an application, but equally some game or right. basically presenting a, the same experience. So mm-hmm. um, we heard a couple of years ago how DirecTV put in the Media Highway middleware in mm-hmm. North America and downloaded stuff overnight, and that's yep. been sort of rolling out there. It's kind of middle technology, so you don't actually see it. It's the applications you see. Yeah, it's a bit hidden from view, isn't it? Yeah, it, but it's um, quite an enabling technology. And we just had an announcement last week that uh, the same thing, DirecTV obviously bought out uh, the Latin American operations as well as some merger mm-hmm. within the operations there. And they're looking to basically do the same thing that's been done in North America and South America um, to make sure they, they move away from, I guess, proprietary interface on each box to mm-hmm. having one standard interface. So that'll be interesting to see what happens down there. Uh, and they're focusing, I think, on their DVR as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Excellent. Um, on the MHP side, an MHP is a kind of open standard middleware as opposed to proprietary middleware such as mm-hmm. Open TV and Media Highway. Um, MHP offers a standard API that can right. be and it's based uh, on Java. Is that right? Based on Java, Sun is a major sort of licensee and, and offered up Java to be used. But obviously, these things are offered up, but they're not free. Mm. Uh, and while it might be open, again, it's not free. I mean, no middleware right. is is ostensibly free. And so they've sort of restructured the licensing, um, which is, is, is quite complicated, but it varies from um, if you're a free-to-air operator generating revenue from um, interactive applications, then mm-hmm. they'll get you off the ground. It'll be free uh, for the first 100000 Then you have to pay 20000 a year. This is like an annual fee, I think, as well. Right. Um, going up to £100,000 a year if you've got over 2.5 million subscribers. So that seems kind of reasonable it's pretty reasonable um, for us if you're just doing advertising and doing interactive advertising again they want an amount of money um per year again fairly reasonable fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars for every two and a half million ten thousand dollars middleways would charge like kind of per box yeah basis, well is this right? is for free-to-air broadcasters ah, for public okay. service broadcasters right. going out. now if it's um pay television broadcasters uh then they're looking for uh a fee per device okay which can be as high as $1.75. Right. Um, which is pretty intense. It is pretty intense. Because then you have to buy the product from someone as well. Yeah, you can buy the hardware. <laughs> it, well, no, you have to buy the software. This oh, is just right. a license. This is just a license to be able this to This is the license. It. It's, yeah. it's like, uh, obviously, this is administered by via licensing. who also uh-huh. administer the MPEG royalties as well. And similarly, MPEG royalties, I think, are $2.5 uh, okay. per device. It doesn't, then you have to buy the device. Jeez, by the time you paid all these software, yeah. well, intellectual property stuff. costs Jeez. money. You know, this is More the, than the uh, hardware even these days. Well, I think it's becoming well, an increasing it's proportion. It's beginning. It? I mean, the hardware costs generally go down, but yeah. then the software costs as a proportion of the whole bill of materials or bomb it tends True. to go up as well. So, True. so the value is more and more in the software. Yeah, yeah, mm. indeedy. Um, so that's been news, international news. Let's uh, 
bang on to content delivery. Mm-hmm. How are we going on the content side? Just checking our solar batteries there. <laughs> I think they're okay. <laughs> Doing good. Uh, there's an interesting, interesting uh, article in the New York Times about uh, viewers fast-forwarding past ads on DVRs. and the Because yeah. the, yeah. um, the supposition here is that Nobody ever watches an ad again once they get a DVR. So a DVR, you fast-forward all the ads. Yeah. And uh, we've heard in previous episodes how Nielsen from May this year is going to be uh, delivering stat- statistics on what ads people actually watch as opposed to which programs people watch. Is this one of these no surprises they watch the good one? Watch the good ads. They watch the good, good ads. Yeah. <laughs> they watch the good ads. The ones which a lot of money has been spent on the creative side That's of right. things. Well, according to Nielsen, who's, who's, who are now kind of uh, putting out a few little teaser stats really before they get right into it and right. saying that um, uh, people who own DVR still watch on average two-thirds of the ads. So I was kind of right. like, hey, guys, it's okay. You know, it's not as bad but, as we all thought. Yeah, They're skipping all the ads. They're actually still watching But these are people the whose whole business relies on the advertising industry. Shh. <laughs> You're giving away the secrets. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, the theory is, according to uh, one of the recent Like the smoking companies commissioning surveys, people, people saying smoking, it's well, not too right. bad. Well, I mean, this is coming out of this stats. So, I mean, people yeah. are buying DVRs not because they want time shifting of mm-hmm. all their viewing and skip all commercials, but because they want to time shift some of their viewing. So, I mean, mm. the, I think this has been the kind of uh, elephant in the corner type thing about mm. DVRs for a long time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> even paid company, paid TV companies get a lot of revenue from ads. Definitely. So they've been worried about the fact that when they actually find out how many people do actually watch ads, uh, if it's you know in close to nothing, then they can't. Then then they get less revenue per yeah, ad. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the real data is scary for some people because once you exactly. once you have to come clean or say actually we know exactly. Well, e- even if you can, because most of these are done on sampling basis, mm-hmm. and with paid television with a callback mechanism, you've got a mm-hmm. way of knowing precisely who's watching. Exactly We've seen these watching. IPTV services where yeah, in, real in real time, as a viewer, you watching. can see which percentage mm-hmm. of people are watching. Mm. Um, so that really does debunk all the, the statisticians' work if you can get the real data. Exactly. Um, uh, but they're saying that uh, DVRs are now in 12 to 20% of households mm. and uh, DVR owners account for about 6% of all TV viewing in the US. So it's, not, it's still not a big proportion of the pie, but it's obviously growing rapidly. So uh, the fact that they do even skip some ads... Um, it's obviously going to have an effect, but uh, maybe not as much as I guess thought. people are still, I mean, one, one of the examples here is someone who's got three DVRs, two in a home and one in her city apartment, mm-hmm. saying that she actually watches more television, but she doesn't have to sit through the ads. Well, it's, it's that. So and, and I guess it's things like product placement and sponsorship correct. or other ways that exactly. advertisers still get in there because people are watching more television. And some of the sneaky things like uh, Channel 4 in the UK mm-hmm. is doing at mm-hmm. the moment by actually uh, about two thirds of the way through the but ad. But Channel break. 4 is not a public one. That's correct. It's, okay. it's got ads. And, and uh, about three quarters of the way through the ad break, they actually use a small ad that has a character from the show that you're watching. So you immediately stop and go, oh, I've got back into the show. But in fact, it's just a prelude to the last couple of ads before the program starts again. So people are getting <laughs> cleverer. What do they call that? It must be a kind of an ad. So they have a guy dressed as Spock or something in Star Trek going, actually, no. No, no they use characters from the show. Really? Like, so uh, they choose an extra little interstitial yeah. bit. Yep, exactly. It's um, wild. No, we haven't started. Watch the rest of the ads. But again, yeah. uh, they're saying that people like uh, Visa have been uh-huh. changing their ads so that they're brighter and uh, uh, have less movement on the screen so that as people are fast-forwarding, they notice it more. Yeah, so there's adapting to I think it must be the advertising brief is I want an ad that looks just as good when it's going 20 times normal <laughs> speed right. as it does when normal speed. And the subliminal, we saw the, we talked to on one of the earlier episodes about the subliminal ad. That's um, right. 
which was uh, uh, Pepsi or something doing a new limon flavour. You could only if you only you could watch with the DVR because you had to watch it in super slow or something. Yeah, particular frame. Yeah, yeah. So interesting, and they all DVR stuff. Well, I mean, DVRs are here to stay. Indeed. Even my wife is beginning to ask for one. Well, terrible, you're going to have to get one, James. What, what well, are you doing? Uh, well, I'm in the dark ages. And I, my Apple TV will arrive. <laughs> ne- Apple TV next right. week, my Apple TV is here. Maybe yeah, that's terrible. a DVR. And maybe it isn't. Fantastic. But uh, we'll find out. Okay, you had a little story here about Showtime. Yeah, um, I mean, this is an, uh, kind of step in, in both directions, both in terms of interactive applications running on middleware and also in terms of DVR. Right. Showtime... Uh, have launched their Showtime Interactive. Showtime is like kind of a HBO. It's kind of one of these major mm. movie networks, got right? About Ten channels worth of stuff, not just movies, but all mm-hmm. sorts of all sorts okay. of programs. So it's a, like a mini network kind of, or it brand. Is, absolutely, yeah. it's a branded uh, set of channels, uh, and they're using an, an interactive application to uh, basically allow a kind of portal to all the Showtime content on the disc. Okay, so it's like a mini guide. Yeah, but not just a guide. You can actually uh, view content from the disc. You can recu- uh, re- request recording of content. So it's 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 a bit like a kind of a guide portal for the Showtime collection of channels. Okay. So it's where they're actually pulling together um, an interactive application and DVR content on the one box. I think this right. is uh, this is one of the first times we've seen uh, an, an interactive application actually having access to the PVR content on the box. Normally, it's the you know the guide that's embedded in the box that has access to the content. All the interactive applications just run on top of TV, but don't actually right. interact with the box. Does it have push stuff as well? Do you think, or is it not really clear? It just seems to suggest to me that you can just you can book a recording. Uh, you can book recordings and you can see the recordings that you've made. Yeah, it's got listings for all of the 10 Showtime channels. When they see a program and they're interested, in, they can schedule a recording with one click, mm-hmm. which to me just sounds like a DVR. It is, but this is all specific to the Showtime yeah. network. So and they've got a, probably got a little something. mosaic portal or something yeah, so you can, you can see can the channels. Other things that you okay. like. And if you like this, you can like something. I presume something like that. So quite, funky, cool. quite funky. Quite um, funky. Very cool. Also, another kind of DVR story here as well, mm-hmm. which I guess is coming from, again, from the US, um, saying that. Uh, this is a. I, I like this one because it had this no, this term sort of cash and carry model, <laughs> as in C A C H E. As opposed to cash, cash, cash and carry. Okay, well that doesn't. It, cash is, you the know, joke is lost on you, Ian. I'm afraid. There we go. <laughs> cash is like a collection of weapons, you know, as opposed to <laughs> cash, which is more of a technological. Anyway, yes, sorry. Um, they're saying that you know you can take your videos with you as part of when you've recorded them, which to me sounds like a. I guess they're looking at what we'd refer to as sort of taking the content to go. So you can record it on your DVR and then they're looking to sort of enable you to copy that via a USB port onto another device. Right. So um, this is Motorola saying they're developing this stuff? Is that right? Well, they're kind of saying, well, you know, there's an issue here. The, the connection is the easy part. Yeah, whack it on there. But then when you look into it, well, the people who own the rights to the program mm-hmm. are saying that you need to have some way of allowing the rights to happen. And, and the guys mm-hmm. only have the rights for set-top boxes. They don't have the rights for other media. Um, That's interesting, because Motorola are one of the biggest manufacturers of set-top boxes in the States for cable mm-hmm. uh, for cable rollouts. Um, but they're not, and obviously they're in phones, but I'm not aware of any Motorola kind of you know, portable products that aren't phones or aren't set-top boxes. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're not in that space, but then bigger screens... Um, there's obviously something they could do there. Mm. But I mean, Microsoft isn't particularly involved in the cable industry. It's in the IPTV industry. You know, so maybe, again, it's a, the DRM is, is a bit of a question, but it's, it's interesting to think that they're saying, well, this is, this is something we could be doing. We could be further mm. monetizing mm. this. Mm. And the guy who's talking this is some guy who's, whose title is 
Senior Director, Product Line Management, Seamless Mobility Solutions and Applications, Motorola Connected Home Biz Solutions Business. <laughs> you must have a widescreen <laughs> business card. That's right. You know what I mean? That's, That's a uh, great title, isn't it? It is. It's fantastic. If he gets 10K for each word, he'll be doing well. <laughs> okay. Um, right. Moving on. I guess uh, on the IPTV side, uh, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about... Juiced, formerly known as the Venice Project, mm-hmm. they've now got a Mac beta out there. So Yay. those of you who are into um, Macs, and it's not unfortunately because I, I haven't bought a Mac for a year or so. It's only Intel-based Macs. The beta. So, so I'm, I'm a pauper. Yeah, My Apple TV will be Intel-based, but it's not strictly speaking a Mac. Uh, I think. <laughs> so, but maybe it'll have built-in Juiced. Maybe you will. Because um, there are rumours that it may be using some of the similar to peer-to-peer sharing technology, which Apple has noted before to try and get uh, mm. high definition movie downloads get mm. them peer-to-peer downloaded to your uh, your device with some mm-hmm. progressive download perhaps onto the the hard disk in the Makes apple sense. tv so um those of you out there the the other mac user and i know there's more than one after being to that opening exactly. shop we as we talked about the last uh, episode lots of closet mac users uh, and another apple shop apparently opened up in england somewhere somewhere else nine in the uk now so nine, nine. it's outrageous isn't it Frankie. it's one for each mac user <laughs> There's stacks of them. <laughs> we know. So if you're a Mac user and you're able mm. to get a juiced beta. Yeah, let us know. Where do they let us know in? At feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Brilliant. Place to go. Exacto mundo. Um, <clears throat> now, we've also talked over some of the previous episodes about mobile and television, mobile TV. Um, is it going to be big? Is it not going to be big? Mm-hmm. Last episode we talked about 3GSM and what was maybe the word on the street there. Um, there was a, a bit of feedback after 3GSM by a research house called M colon Metrics, um, which mm-hmm. was really looking at how mobile TV might or might not work. Well, they're saying that um, more people used to watch mobile TV on their mobile than actually still do. So it's declining, now. they're saying. Well, they're saying that once people have tried it, they go, hmm, no, not for me. Really? Um, which I think is a little unfair in that this whole industry is kind of, it's, it's, it's just blossoming at the moment. And I think we're not there in terms of the technology, in mm. terms of the... I think 30% uh, of people said there were some quality and service issues for exactly. reasons for stopping. Exactly. Um, and, you know, you do have to have a high amount of bandwidth to your phone in order to be able to watch relatively mm. seamless TV. Um, and we know there's issues because uh, the analog spectrum is still being used. Once that gets freed up, there'll be plenty of bandwidth for yeah. TV. So I think it's really early days yet. Yeah. So kind of saying... Pricing uh, was another concern as well. I guess yeah. I think a lot of these things, they tend to off, you know, free video for six months and then and suddenly sudden charging, yeah. charging per bit. Yep. Um, uh, but I did see another article about the fact that uh, people would be, 40% of people would be happy to watch TV on the mobiles for free if it had ads in it. Yeah, yeah I, I guess so. it may, well, maybe. I mean, again, it's it's for me. It's the modality. When you, I mean, you travel into work on the train, so you've exactly, got so you've got video time where you could do something. Yeah. Um, Whereas you normally drive, so so no video. You know, yeah. um, uh, it's just a, I think the the mode of consumption is is pretty important here, and who's yeah. going to do it, and the people who who are able to view stuff on the move, do they have the money to afford the device or pay the additional subscription service? Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen anyone yet doing a a kind of a, a quad or quintuple play where you buy it on your TV and you also get it on your mobile. But True. I'm sure that's going to happen True. with consolidation of the different services coming up as well. Um, 
Another article I came across was that Bell Canada yep. are going to be offering full-length pay-per-view movies on mobile phones, and they've secured content deals with Disney and with Sony. This is right. the first time I've seen full-length movies. Five bucks a film. Available to uh, download onto a mobile to watch. Mm-hmm. So would you watch a full-length movie on your mobile phone? I'm not sure my battery on my phone would last long enough, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the... Uh, I mean, there are already movie services available. I, I've seen this uh, certainly here in, in the UK in some of the, the phone shops. You can already get mm-hmm. phones which take SD memory cards with uh, yep. a player and yep. content already loaded on the phone. Mm-hmm. So I don't see that as being particularly innovative. I guess it's someone's... They're basically trialling it. The country's first mm-hmm. offering full-length mm-hmm. pay-per-view movies. It sounds like a big deal, but um, it's... Uh, not exactly a big deal at the moment. But I mean, I, I downloaded a uh, trailer uh-huh. of um, the Bond movie. What was that called? Casino Royale. Oh, that's, that's right. it. Yeah, yeah. So I downloaded the, uh, the trailer. It took about oh, a good 20 minutes to download. Whilst on your phone using GPRS? On my or? phone, yeah. GPRS. Yeah. And then it went for about a minute and a half. And um, I mean, I went and saw the film, so I guess it worked. But uh, <laughs> and you paid to watch the trailer as well. <laughs> paid you to watch the trailer. Probably paid Fantastic. more for the downloading the trailer than you <laughs> did to watch the movie. The um, but yeah, it's uh, interesting. Interesting. Um, Could see what people are doing. Indeedy, indeedy. Um, now, games news, a bit thin on the ground. Um, yep. I'm desperately playing with my Wii and my um, and my uh, PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And you've got further in Zelda than I have. I so. have got further in Zelda than you have, and I've. Turned into a wolf and back into a person, and I <laughs> wielded the sword, the fishing rod, and something else, the lantern. Um, but that's all quite cool. Uh, I've now got uh, my power line Ethernet installed, so I'm looking to get wired out in my, my cinema on the big yeah, screen. Cool. So the next thing I probably need to do is take my Wii out onto the big screen. Now I can get mm-hmm. it hooked up out there, because uh, my, my viewing room is about 50 meters from my house, so I need to get out at the end is of the game. Is it big enough to have a kind of good Wii boxing session yeah, there, do you think? I, well, I could, I've had a good guitar Hero <laughs> session, so I think you have to get either because the projector's kind of at around six feet off the ground, so you have to right. not stand in front of the projector. You can't get too serious. So, oh, because the projector, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So you have to kind of stand to one side, but right. that kind of works quite well. That's all right. Yeah, um, I'm a bit worried about my Wii sensor bar, which mm. I've done a bit of research on. It. The Wii sensor bar is just this. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Apparently, it's just just LED, uh, infrared LEDs which are on. Mm. There's nothing more to so it than that, and they're a certain, way, they're a fixed distance apart, and apparently yeah. the bit of wire that comes with it is simply a 9-volt power supply to the mm-hmm. sensor bar, so you can just hook up a, a PP9 battery or something, or mm-hmm. plug it into the wall. So um, we'll see how that goes, just you don't have, otherwise it's like a spider's web in the dark with all these wires, over there, yeah, so you've got to be right. careful. Um, but So not much gaming news, we'll keep our eyes out for that. Um, got... Um, the games GDC is it GDC's coming up? That's Game right. Developer Conference next month, so we can hopefully have Let's some words to say about that. Fantastic. Okay, now as this is a solar powered, um, so tell us about the solar powered bit. What's? Oh yes, well, uh, I. What's that about? I am a bit of an environmental nut, perhaps, <laughs> as, as you may or <laughs> you may have, not know. Those who know me, I have responsibilities in this area, um, and I do drive a hybrid car, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now I came across uh, one of my colleagues at work happened to hand me a solar-powered charging device, which um, is actually, as we said, this is a solar-powered podcast. It, it, is, it is, in fact, powering our voice recorder at the moment. Uh, it's uh, quite a neat little device, which you can also charge. It's got a battery in it as well, so you can leave it in the sunshine, and then it's got holds a charge. Ah, and then, then you can, can charge it. Yeah, then it can charge your phone. Oh. It's got a number of adapters. Fortunately, it doesn't work with my phone, but it works, I think, with Sony's, probably Motorola's, and older Ericsson's. Um, so and it's got a car charger and all this kind of stuff. 
Um, so I think we'd li- I'd like to give that away. Um, so if you want to point out the deliberate mistake we've made in the podcast, uh, <laughs> sending an email to feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. That's right. Uh, and uh, the, the lucky recipient there will uh, get this solar-powered multi-device charger. Fantastic. And, and it uh, does definitely work because uh, we're running on solar power right now. Yeah, which is brilliant. And also, uh, I do have a, if, if we get a huge response, I do also have a water-powered calculator that I water could also calculator. donate to the Fantastic. course. So do let us know. Um, and if you've won the competition last time, you're not allowed to win it this time. That's right. Okay, so don't want to have the same people <laughs> who are obviously Ooh, the watching time. the RSS feed, waiting for the competitions <laughs> to come out. Um, terms and conditions apply. Judges... So we had a little article here on this kind of solar power thing about mm-hmm. the use of um, electricity. And I actually did some bit of research the other day and set-top boxes apparently in, uh, in mm-hmm. the US by 2010. And this is like game boxes, analog right, boxes, all boxes stuff 10 terawatts per year. My goodness. 10 terawatt hours, I suppose. And they're just sitting there most of the time. Yeah, mo- well, that's the thing. I mean, you may think oh, it doesn't use very much power, but the difference between being on and off isn't much. And when they're mm. on, they're on. So mm. it's an interesting... Um, it's an interesting thing that you know. Obviously, industry needs to address, and I think certainly the FCC and the in mm. the US and the European Union are, are addressing this as well. Um, but the article you'd found here was that um, really kind of juxtaposing that is saying that televisions use a lot of power, particularly mm. plasmas. We know they really chew mm. up power. Absolutely. They're like I don't know if you've ever looked at the back of a plasma, but there's mm. hordes of cooling fans around the back, <laughs> um, and that's when they start making noise. Apparently, when the fan bearings go. Oh, um, so you've got to watch out for that but LCD ones are better they use hardly you know, any power when they're off and a lot lower it's like 350 watts for a plasma versus 70 watts, watts. yeah uh, versus like Crazy. 70 watts for a, an LCD or something like that wow. I've got a 23 inch LCD um, this is an article talking about servers and I guess the internet rise of the internet is driven by servers mm. and I think this article is referring to the fact that servers are using more power than televisions now yeah it's at the point now where 1.2 percent of uh, the u.s electricity sales uh, is now going towards uh the cost of uh, powering and cooling servers yeah which is now at the same level as the total cost of running all the color televisions in uh the u.s wow so i mean it's, it's only loosely related i guess to uh television entertainment but in, in terms of um it's a good comparative figure yeah. credentials and understanding how much electricity uh, yeah. we're actually using in our homes, I think it's quite interesting. Yeah, and I think another, and you tend to think, well, so what, what does that mean? And they're saying that um, <clears throat> this, uh, in 2005, because I guess that's the figure they've got the, the year they've got the numbers for, mm-hmm. um, that servers used about 5 million kilowatts of power, which cost the US you know, $2.7 billion. And that represents the outputs of about five one gigawatt power plants. It's Which amazing, you know, is like, you know, is that a big power plant? I don't know. But they're saying, well, Chernobyl when it died, the one that blew up, and everyone goes, "Oh, nuclear power—that's a really bad thing." Mm. Um, which I disagree with, but we can talk about that. <laughs> uh, I don't disagree with the Chernobyl, by the way. That definitely <laughs> happened. Uh, but Chernobyl was about a quarter of a gigawatt, so it gives you an idea that uh, servers wow. at the moment in the US are chewing up. Wow, um, that is a lot of power. You know, 20, 20 Chernobyls worth of power mm. just by being on. And, and servers, by their very nature, need to be on the whole time, allegedly. Right. So, you know, this is uh, something we need to talk about. Um, which I mean, I know that Google are now locating their server farms in 
different places in the US where they can get good rates for electricity, where they can yeah have close a, to them as well because you obviously lose yeah, power and resistive losses and things yep. further you are. And they're putting and the solar panels over the car parks and this kind of stuff. Um, taking, I think it's an important thing that we all have a think about how we can reduce that. I mean, I I try and put my uh, kind of I guess my server thing at home I, I've scheduled it to go to sleep at night yeah, right. and wake up in the morning and all this kind of stuff nice so work. it's not on at night because it doesn't need to be you know? exactly um, very cool but, uh, there we go anyway so that's a bit of a I guess our environmental podcast Indeed. solar powered so do get back to us uh, with where you think we've made the deliberate mistake here and uh, we will ensure that we get this little packet of solar power charger cool. goodies Actually, off you I'm very tempted to get one because be you're not allowed handy. to enter by the way oh okay never mind <laughs> <laughs> there we go okay so that brings us to a close on podcast 34 and it's goodbye from me James and it's goodbye from me and have a great week bye bye